Okay, hey y'all. Welcome to Consume, uh, a podcast by me, Bern Olivier, where I talk about all the stuff I consume, with the main framework being my Watch a Movie Every Day Challenge for 2021. We're still in the middle of high June, where I'm watching all westerns. Uh, and this is also like my daily diary. Uh, it's Friday. I'm in kind of a weird mood. My body feels weird because through just bad decisions and like the way my day planned out, I only had like two meals uh, at breakfast and then I didn't eat again like an actual meal until like 11 p.m. or something, like 10 p.m. And when I did eat, it was this like Thai, uh, Thai green curry like microwavable thing from Costco that I threw some tofu in to like just add some substance to it. And it's supposedly shelf stable until 2022 but something felt weird about it so i don't know maybe i didn't store it right maybe it was fine and this is all in my head and i'm getting uh, psychosomatic symptoms because i do that to myself a lot i actually noticed i uh i went to costco or i went to ikea today again uh but i finally got the last bookshelf that i wanted so now my room is actually complete <laughs> i got a ridiculously tall wide bookshelf that's going to be for all my trade paperback uh comics and um i'm happy with that but at the at the ikea the only way to get down to parking with my uh my you know the big box that the bookshelf came in you have to go into this like big service elevator and so i go i'm first in line for the elevator i press the button i go in there and i turn as a matter of politeness uh to say are you coming to like the people behind me and they're like, oh, if you're, if, if it's cool with you. And then I realized that they weren't wearing masks and I'm still getting used to this. You know, I'm vaccinated. I'm wearing a mask and it's still hard for me to not like just mean mug everyone who's wearing a mask and think they're awful people. Uh, but like these people, like they were hanging back. They were going to let me take the elevator on my own, even though it's a giant elevator with all this space. And, but as soon as I saw that they were messing, I was like, oh fuck, I should have just like let them, but you know, whatever. We're on the elevator for maybe 30 seconds. They're six feet away. I, I like that they were polite enough to like hang back. And it was me like asking them that got them on there. But I was uh thinking about that just before I started recording. And the more I was thinking about it, then like I started to cough a little bit. So it's fun what the brain can do to the body to like freak you out. I'm also in a weird mood because I may, uh, I may just all of a sudden not be getting uh, unemployment payments. Because apparently there's something wrong with my claim. Because I didn't make any money last year from March to March, so that means that my claim for unemployment was invalid. Which, like, of course I didn't make any money. I was laid off and I wasn't working. You guys knew that. They approved the claim. They paid me for three months, and now all of a sudden it's invalid? I don't know. So we'll see in a few days if it sorts itself out. Um, I certified for a week, and then it said I had disqualification for some reason. Maybe because of this invalid letter. Uh, I don't know. And it still hasn't like sunk in that I might not be getting paid. So I'm not freaking out yet. And I'm still just really hoping that this library job that I applied for comes through. I'm going to call them on Monday to follow up on it. So, you know, fingers crossed. And I also need to just stop buying shit. This high bookcase is the last thing I'm buying for myself for a while. I kind of went crazy over the past week because we got those like IRS checks to like for our untaxed unemployment that wasn't supposed to be taxed and so i bought way too much shit this week <laughs> so i need to chill out um anyways that's a long enough uh intro before talking about movies don't you think uh so the first movie this week and this week i'm doing my 
uh, it's going to be Sergio Leone week, where every other movie is going to be a Sergio Leone um, spaghetti western. So we're starting with the first one of the Man With No Name trilogy, or the Dollars trilogy, A Fistful of Dollars from 1964, with Clint Eastwood, and uh, I guess the only other notable actor is uh, Gian Maria Valente. And yeah, this is just... It's the definition of spaghetti western. The story is, it's like, a, it's an unofficial remake of y Yojimbo, which I still need to watch. But apparently Yojimbo is based off a novel called Red Harvest. Whatever. Um, a nameless man, a stranger, Clint Eastwood comes to this town where there's a Mexican gang and a family of white people, and one of them's the sheriff, and there's a feud. And so he decides to play the two against each other for money. And that's basically the whole thing. He does this through very various like schemes and things and he also helps out a woman who uh was kidnapped by the leader of uh the mexican gang the rojos uh ramon the leader who's played by gian maria valente and yeah so he you know everybody ends up dead except for him he saves that family and he rides off into the sunset or not really the sunset but he rides off but yeah everything in this movie just works like the tone the tone feels kind of like subdued uh, for a movie this violent, but it works, and that's mostly, uh, due to, like, Clint Eastwood's performance, uh, which he's great. It's always, Clint Eastwood is always just a joy to watch, no matter what he's doing. Uh, um, the score is great. This is the first time that, uh, Ennio Morricone worked with Sergio Leone, and, uh, it's amazing. I need to, I want a record of this score, um, that main theme rips. They even do, I forgot that they do like a James Bond-ish kind of like animated uh, intro of these like roughly rotoscoped cowboys uh, riding their horses and shooting at each other and stuff. Uh, for a second I was thinking, because I do want like some type of Western tattoo eventually, like maybe one of the stills from that animated intro would be pretty cool. But none of the images are cool enough on their own. But as a package, it works. Great theme, great animation. But yeah. Oh, just a super solid movie. The ending is great. The like final showdown uh, where Clint Eastwood uses that like metal plate as like a bulletproof vest. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, solid. It's four stars. It's just a great movie. I'm not being as in depth, I think, with this review because, of course, I didn't pay as much attention as I would have liked because uh, my brain is broken. But uh, a great movie. And like, but the main thing that I mostly like felt during this is like excitement at the fact that I'm gonna get to watch uh for a few dollars more in a couple days because whenever i first watched this trilogy last year that was my like hot take of the whole thing is that everybody rants and raves about the good the bad and the ugly and i get it but for a few dollars more is a better and more fun uh spaghetti western we'll see if i keep that opinion i think i will but we'll find out uh and yeah all right that's all i got for today we'll see you tomorrow Okay, hey guys, Saturday, day two. I was going to say that I'm in a bad mood today, uh, but I'm kind of in a good mood after finishing today's movie. It's a, it's a pretty fun watch, um, but I was going to say I'm in a bad mood because I guess ultimately I am because my unemployment is definitely cut off. They wouldn't even let me certify for uh, for this week, and so now i got to figure that out, and it's just stressful. I'm also starting to psych myself out about the uh, library job. I know I'm, I, I shouldn't be have expected to hear from them <laughs> on a Saturday, but uh, I keep checking my email incessantly and like 
checking the spam folder to make sure that I'm not missing anything. But I feel like I just like, I want it too bad. So uh, I'm probably not going to get it. But, you know, hey, there's still a chance. I can still get it. At least I hope there is. Uh, but anyways, today's movie is uh, Rio Bravo from 1959 by Howard Hawks, John Wayne, and Dean Martin, and Angie Dickinson. Uh, and it's a good one. If yesterday, if um, a fistful of dollars is like, well, I guess it's not applicable. I was going to say a fistful of dollars is the definition of spaghetti western. This is the definition of an American western. But a fistful of dollars is like, it was like the first one that like started the trend. And this is more culmination of uh, everything that they were doing in American westerns. But yeah, so this is a, it's basically the same story as El Dorado that I reviewed before. This came first. And El Dorado was made because of the success of this movie. But yeah, so it's the same basic story. Uh, a guy kills someone in John Wayne's town where he's the sheriff. And he's going to keep him in jail. And he's the the guy, the murderer is the brother of a rich rancher who wants to get him out. And John Wayne is determined to hold him until the sheriff, until the marshal can come to try him for murder. And so the whole movie is just him holding off uh, the brother from releasing him. And then you get... Dean Martin, who used to be John Wayne's deputy, but then he became a drunkard for two years, but now he's uh, trying to get sober so that he can help John Wayne with this. You got this guy who's like a, a cripple, I keep calling him, a uh, crazy old uh, coot with a limp who stays at the jailhouse. You got Ricky Martin, not, is it Ricky Martin? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Ricky Nelson, uh, who plays like the young gunfighter named Colorado who helps them out and then uh Angie Dickinson who uh plays this uh woman who falls in love with John Wayne for no good reason uh she was great she was great to watch she's like a living breathing uh Darwin Cook cartoon um the whole romance subplot with John Wayne is kind of lame and bad but it could have been worse uh but yeah so the story's pretty simple but it's just like it's fun to watch everyone act in this. John Wayne is at like the height of his powers. He's a he's a more subdued character in this, but he's still fun to watch. I really like the moments where you can like see true joy on his face. Like there's a part there's a Mexican uh, innkeeper who helps him out, Carlos, and Carlos is like showing him a gift he's gonna get to give to his wife. These like um, red pants that are like sexy for the <laughs> 1800s, and you can just see. Like, John Wayne just has this look of, like, pure joy of, like, watching this guy talk about these pants he got for his wife. And I like that a lot. Um, Dean Martin is great. He's good at playing the drunk who's trying to redeem himself. He's fun to watch, and his, like, progression through the story is nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a solid, pretty well-told story. It makes sense that they tried to remake the same exact movie two times. <laughs> um... It is funny, though, that they made this movie as a uh, as a kind of response to High Noon. Um, because, you know, from when I reviewed that on the first day of High June, High Noon, you know, is like about apparently an allegory for like communist blacklisting and everything. And we all know John Wayne is a Republican who proudly blacklisted and drove people out of Hollywood. And Howard Hawks didn't like the idea of a sheriff running around asking for help. And so this was the response of a movie about a sheriff who refuses help and um, tries to like take matters in his own hands. But even though he refuses help throughout this whole movie, he doesn't do this shit on his own. He still has a bunch of people helping him every step of the way. But it's like, 
I don't know, instead of people helping him because he asked for it, or they like felt pity on him. They all just like, oh man, he's such a man and we look up to him. So we got to help him out, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know, kind of silly, but it works. It's fine. So yeah, overall good time, uh, four star movie. Oh, the reason I watched this one today, uh, was because for a fistful of dollars, the opening theme, uh, Sergio Leone wanted Ennio Morricone to use the, uh, a song used in this movie, uh, the El Deguayo, El Deguayo, maybe I'm not saying that right, the El Deguayo theme, which is like a song, apparently, that the Mexican army played at the Alamo, it's called the Cutthroat Song, and it's like the song that they used to say that they're not going to give any quarter to the Americans, and so the bad guy, the rich rancher brother, has like this uh, Mexican mariachi band play that song throughout this movie uh, to like taunt John Wayne and them at the prison. And Sergio Leone wanted that to be the theme of uh, A Fistful of Dollars, thinking it was like a public domain song, which I guess it's not. And so that's why they couldn't use it, which led to Sergio Leone using this lullaby he composed for that theme. So yeah, so that's why I watched this, which this was on the list already. It's I knew this was like a quintessential one that I needed to watch. And I'm glad I did. Like I said, four stars, great movie. Uh, yeah. That's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It is Sunday. Pretty alright day. We uh, <laughs> we went down to Pulp Fiction down in Culver City. Because even though I'm pretty sure I just said yesterday that I shouldn't be buying stuff, I felt like I needed to buy a specific uh, Fantastic Four comic that I didn't get with my regular comics last week. So we went down there. It was nice. Got the book. I got a James Bond uh, trade paperback that I already read online, but I wanted it in my collection. It's called The Body. I recommend it. It's a pretty good one. We also stopped by this uh, convenience store that I wanted to check out because it showed up on the Fago locator as a place that carries Fago, and it was correct. They had like a, they, were, they had like six, seven different flavors. It was sick. I only got three. I got Red Pop, Rock and Rye, and Cotton Candy. Um, it's the most like fucking stocked convenience store I've ever seen too. Everything fully stocked, like they took care of that store. It's next door to another comic book shop uh, called The Comic Bug, which I've been in there once and it's not bad, uh, but they're hiring, or they were at least on Indeed. Uh, and man, what a setup that would be. Work at that comic book shop, you got that convenience store right next to you. Man, you live in the dream. I would do it, but it was only 13 bucks an hour and it's like a at least a 40 minute drive from the house, like maybe 30 if there's no traffic. Like if it was a 10 minute drive or like a walking distance place, like I would absolutely work there just to do it until I found something better. But unfortunately that's not the case. I talked to a coworker about that, uh, that thing about my unemployment being invalid because he got the same thing a few weeks, like a month or two ago. And uh, he said, I just got to send an appeal and that should work. So I'm going to do that tomorrow i might have to like print it out and mail it uh so we'll see yeah oh i guess then one last thing before getting to into today's movie i read uh, a manga for the first time in a while i read the way of the house husband uh and it's really good i recommend anybody reading it it's about a uh guy who was like a really feared yakuza member and he left the yakuza to be a house husband for his graphic designer wife and it's just like a really solid funny uh little comic very quick read uh cool it's just good stuff uh 
I highly recommend getting it from your uh, from the library if you can. That's how I did it. Anyways, okay, so today's movie I watched for a few dollars more from 1965. The second in the Man With No Name trilogy by Sergio Leone with Clint Eastwood. And we got Lee Van Cleef and uh, Gian Maria Valente and Klaus Kinski in a little uh, bit part. And, you know, it's fucking great. I think this is my favorite spaghetti western. Like, specifically, spaghetti western. Because it takes the vibe from the first one and just puts, like, a nice coat of polish on it. That working, everything's working real smooth. You got Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef, and they're both playing bounty hunters, who are both going after Gian Maria Valente, who's playing El Indio, and he's like this really amazing villain who has a $10,000 bounty on his head. And so Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood, they both decide to go after him. They butt heads at first, and they decide to team up. And they team up, and they send Clint Eastwood undercover with El Indio's gang, and they're going to rob a bank in El Paso. And there's this cool bit about the robbery where they're not actually going to rob the main safe. It turns out the real safe is, like, hidden in a uh, cabinet made by a carpenter that uh, who was in jail with El Indio and, like, told him the story and, uh, like, told him that that's where the safe was. So they blow up the wall and they steal that. And, uh, and then, like, that's the first half of the movie. And the second half takes place in this little town called Agua Caliente where they're going to um, lay low. And this is where uh, Clint Eastwood gets found out, and Lee Van Cleef is there, and they get found out that they're bounty hunters. And um, and El Indio like does this plot where he's gonna like trick his guys into like killing the bounty hunters and like themselves, so that him and his like right hand man Nino can like get away with the money. But of course, Lee Van Cleef and uh, Clint Eastwood ruin that plan, lead to this final showdown between El Indio and Lee Van Cleef, where it turns out that like uh, Van Cleef has like a personal motivation because El Indio killed his sister's husband and like raped his sister and his sister like killed herself like mid-rape real heavy shit uh and so he's got a you know a personal stake in all of this and that leads to this really cool uh showdown scene though part of the, i have a small problem with the way that uh el indio like does his duels he has this little uh pocket watch that plays music kind of like the one that was at a pistol for ringo or no which movie was that Man, I have no idea, but I know there was another Western that I watched recently that had a fucking pocket watch, and now I, it's going to bug the shit out of me. Sartana. It was one of the Sartana movies, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Anyways, so he has this watch, and he says, okay, when the music's done, then we'll fight. But, like, how are you supposed to know the music's done if you've never heard the music before? Like, it wasn't, like, some public domain tune. It was some very nice tune made by Ennio Morricone. Uh... Which, like, maybe that's part of El Indio's, like, getting the jump on people. I don't know. That bothers me a little bit. But the final showdown is really fucking cool. Uh, it takes place in this, like, circle. And you can actually go to that circle. Like, it's still there. It's in Spain. I looked it up. I, like, added it as, like, a place I want to go on my Google Maps. There's, like, that circle. And then there's a street called, like, Calle Levin and Cleef right there. And also, like, the set for El Paso is not, like, a theme park kind of place there called mini hollywood or oasis with a y i mean i'd be really cool to go to spain one day and go to those places uh but anyways yeah the duel was cool fucking of course lee van cleef wins and uh he decides to leave the bounty with clint eastwood because he's got his revenge and he rides off into the sunset as clint eastwood rides off with like a wagon full of like 12 dudes to turn in for money 
Oh, and Klaus Kinski plays like a weird hunchback in the movie who uh, gets into a duel with Lee Van Cleef. It's a fun little bit part. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a very good solid spaghetti western. It takes everything good about the first one, improves upon it, puts a little bit of polish, but it's not as like drawn out as a uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Because Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is like fucking three hours. I'm kind of not looking forward to watching it again. But um, yeah, it's just a simpler, like more straightforward and kind of fun story than Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Though this is also still maybe a little bit too long. I'm not sure if it needed to be a little over two hours. But that's why, you know, it's a 4.5 star movie instead of a five star movie. So yeah, it's just, a, it's just a good time. It's a good movie. There's also, there's a moment in the movie where when they're hanging up the bounty poster for El Indio, the sheriff is doing it by like hammering in the nails with the butt of his revolver. And I just like that uh, that image. It's a very it's a very Western image, and I like that. It's it's cool. <laughs> All right, uh, I got I got nothing else. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys, it's Monday. Uh, it's an alright day. I'm feeling off and weird. I don't know if I'm like getting sick. If it's just stress, uh, bad nutrition and diet, probably all of those. <laughs> I've, like, had a headache all day, and I have this weird, like, it feels like I constantly have, like, mucus or phlegm in the back of my throat, and I don't know what it is. I looked it up, and it might be just because I'm dehydrated or something else. I tried not to read too much WebMD shit because I don't want to freak myself out, but the dehydrated thing seems to be the most valid, but I don't know. I went to Staples to print out my appeal form, sent that to unemployment. Hopefully that goes through soon. Uh, I didn't call the library yet to follow up because I read an article because I've never followed up on an interview. So I was like, what? I don't even know what you do, what you say. So I looked it up and, uh, one of the tips was like, don't ever follow up on a Monday or a Friday because a Monday is when people are returning to work, which makes sense, especially if the like applications just closed on Friday. This is their first day back to work. They're probably just now looking at it if they even got to look at it today. So... I'll call tomorrow or Wednesday, maybe. We'll see. Uh, I went for a walk because I learned that uh, the park in my neighborhood, the Barnsdale Art Park, reopened. So I wanted to go check it out. Uh, and it's nice. It's like a small, it's just like a, a small little courtyard on top of a hill. And there's like two little like museums up there or something. The, those aren't open. But the little courtyard is. And it's like a nice little square with a bunch of trees. So it's very heavily shaded. Seems like it'll be a nice spot to like go and chill and read some books so i'll probably do that sometime uh so yeah so today's movie i watched uh butch cassidy and the sundance kid from 1969 with paul newman and robert redford uh and this was good it was an interesting one it's fun um i was surprised to see that it was made in 1969 because like it kind of feels like the first western to be made with like modern sensibilities which i don't know if i'm even using that term right but, like, it just feels like a modern movie, like, the way they talk and, um, the way the story is told and just, like, the interactions between, like, the way Robert Redford acts, or Paul Newman acts especially. Though it does, it does still have some, like, things that, that date it. There's some, like, musical interludes and stuff that they wouldn't put in, like, a modern movie, I don't think. At least not in this fashion. So, it's, like, it's based on a real story of these two guys who, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who were in a gang, the Hole-in-a-Wall gang, 
which I guess was also called The Wild Bunch, but they didn't call them The Wild Bunch in this movie because the Wild Bunch movie by Sam Peckinpah just came out and they didn't want to confuse people. Uh, they're a gang in Wyoming. And it's about them. And they rob a train. They rob it twice, actually, on its way to and from its destination. And the guy who owns the train uh, decides to send a super posse after them. And this posse chases them down, specifically Butch and Sundance, uh, until they decide they have to flee the country. And they get Etta, who is Butch's girlfriend and, like, kind of... Or no, not Butch's girlfriend. She's Sundance's uh, girlfriend. But it's like a weird, almost like thruple thing going on <laughs> there. Uh, and then uh, they flee to Bolivia. And then the whole second half of the movie is them trying to survive in Bolivia. And they do more bank robbing there and stuff. And then it ends with uh, they finally get caught and they're like pinned down uh, by like the Bolivian like military almost. Uh, but yeah, so like the movie has like a pretty like the relationship feels pretty lighthearted and has a pretty lighthearted tone but it leads to this ending which is so tragic because you get butch and sundance they're they've been fighting off these people for a while they're both shot they're gonna die but they're still talking like they're gonna go like they're gonna keep going after this like they're saying like uh, like butch's next big idea is that they're gonna go to australia and like they're talking like arguing about whether or not australia is gonna be a good place to go while like reloading their guns and then you see these shots of like First, it was just a few Bolivian cops that they were uh, fighting, but then, like, a military unit shows up, and there's just, like, hundreds of them who sets up, like, around the area where they're they're hiding. And so you know that they're fucked. And just to hear them talk about what they're going to do in Australia and just, like, knowing that it's not going to happen, it's just so, it just, it was so tragic. And then the movie ends with them, like, busting out and running in, like, with the guns up in the freeze frames as you hear... Uh, the Bolivian officials yell fuego and gunshots and everything. It's like a just real tragic ending. You just want them to get away. It's real sad. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's a good time. It's a good movie. It's like, I like where it's filmed. Uh, like the landscape, especially in the first half of the movie in like Wyoming or America. Uh, it was real pretty. It was the first game or it was the first Western that has made me want to play Red Dead Redemption 2 again because of some of the uh, locales reminded me of places in that game. Also, the train robbing reminded me of the gang, uh, the game, and the gang in the game. Um, well, yeah. Another uh, interesting thing is, like, one of the people in the super posse that's uh, chasing them is this... And you never, like, see the super posse up close, which is pretty cool. They're just, like, this, like, force in the distance who is, like, unrelenting. But one of the the main guy is this lawman, this legendary, legendary lawman named LaFors, and he's, like, distinguishable by his, uh, he's always wearing a straw hat, and I had no idea. This is where fucking Kevin Smith <laughs> got the, uh, character of LaFors with the straw hat and mall rats. He just lifted it directly from this movie, uh, and so that's, like, a, a funny joke for people who know this, and I had no idea when I was a kid. I did not know that that was a reference. Now that I look back on it, it makes sense because it's like a weird, it's a weird thing to like build up a security guard whose defining factor is this hat. So like, obviously I should have known that that was a reference to something, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, it's a, you know, it's a good time. It's a fun movie to watch. I, I give it four stars and yeah. All right. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Hey guys, it's a uh, Tuesday. It's a chill day. First day in a while where I didn't go anywhere, didn't buy anything. 
I just sat and I read this week's DC Comics. At least the ones that I'm not buying. I'm waiting till tomorrow when I go to the store. Though this week's a fucking... It's a big week. There's like eight fucking DC books on my list that are coming out. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I got it into my head that that like shitty feeling that I was having and this like dehydration and the weird mucus mouth is maybe a combination of stress and also like <laughs> uh, me being fat and out of shape. So uh, I started counting calories again and it is annoying as shit. Uh, I did yoga this morning. It was all right. It wasn't the best video. Um, and I, uh, yeah, and I went for a walk. So I'm going to try and keep that up. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll feel better. Uh, the stress thing will probably feel better or worse tomorrow after I finally call the library and see what's going on there. And after I go to the dentist on Thursday and I can stop worrying about that. Uh, anyway, so yeah, today's movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, um, 1966, Sergio Leone, uh, Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, Eli Wallach. And it's, it's great. It's a, this, it's fucking... It's well known for a reason. It's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, it's really fucking long. I watched the only version I could find, uh, to, uh, the only version I could find to watch. Because it's not streaming anywhere, and I didn't want to pay for it. So thankfully my usual source for movies had it. Uh, it was the extended, remastered Blu-ray version of it, which... It was, so it was two hours and 58, 59 minutes, which I think the original is only slightly shorter than, than that. Um, so like, is this movie too long? Y yeah, probably. But like when you're watching it, it's hard to, it's hard to pick out any parts that you don't want in there because everything just works so well. And like our main three are good, bad, and ugly. Like you want to watch them the entire time. And the basic plot, uh... Clint Eastwood and Eli Wallach, um, Blondie and Tuco, uh, have like a scheme where they, Tuco builds up a price on his head, Blondie turns him in, and then, uh, when they're about to hang him, Blondie shoots the rope so that they can get away with the money. Uh, they end up turning on each other, it leads to this, uh, sequence where first Blondie turns on Tuco, and then Tuco finds him later, and then he makes him, like, walk through the desert for a hundred miles with no water until they come across this uh, stagecoach full of dead soldiers, but one of them is just alive enough to tell them about $200,000 in gold that's hidden at a cemetery. And then it just so happens that uh, Lee Van Cleef, or Angel Eyes, the ugly, he is going after this soldier. He's been trying to chase him down. Uh, we see him do a couple hits at the beginning of the movie, trying to get information on this guy. And it's just, then it's just about all their journeys to get to this guy, and it's all wo woven throughout the Civil War. It's a very, like, anti-war message in this. Uh, Angel Eyes gets a job with the Confederates, or with the Union, and he uses that position to, like, find Tuco and Blondie, who are disguised as Confederate soldiers, and he uses his position to torture them so he can get the info, and then they, like, get away, and then Tuco and Blondie, uh, after getting away from Lee Van Cleef, uh, they, they, um, come across another group of Confederates who are fighting a war, uh, are fighting a battle, <laughs> of course they're fighting a war, but there's a battle across a river, across this bridge that for some reason they both have deemed important, and so now, uh, a bunch of people have to die there, uh, the lead Union, uh, soldier, or commander, or captain, whatever the fuck he was, he's like this drunkard who is obviously disillusioned with the war, 
Clint Eastwood makes a comment about how he's never seen so many young men's lives wasted. And then uh, they finish that battle by blowing up the uh, the bridge, Tuco and Blondie do. And then they finally get to the cemetery at the end of the movie, which is like the where we have the big epic ecstasy of gold scene, where that amazing Morricone song starts playing as Tuco runs through the cemetery looking for um, for the gold. That's funny, I remember the first time I saw this scene, I was kind of disappointed because I knew the song, Ecstasy of Gold, because Metallica uses it to open all of their concerts. And so when I finally saw the scene, I was like, that's it, it's just like a soundtrack to a guy running. Um, but now I get it. I also, I fucked up. For this month, since I always end every episode <laughs> with uh, I Disappear, you know, the best Metallica song, I should have been using Metallica's version of Ecstasy of Gold as the intro theme or something for this Uh would have been appropriate. Maybe I'll do it for this episode, uh, but maybe not because I'm not sure if I can find an mp3 or if I care enough to find an mp3. Um, but yeah, that would have been good. So, okay, yeah, so he's in the cemetery and then Blondie gets there. Angel Eyes shows up and they have the big final, like, uh, showdown. The Thrul, <laughs> the three-person th- uh, duel, the Mexican standoff. And it's just, it's so good with the music and all the cuts and the close-ups and the wide shots. It's, you know, you can't touch it. It's fucking, it's unbeatable. And yeah, and then uh, Angel Eyes dies and then um, they get the gold and you get a final thing of Blondie fucking with Tuco by making him put on a noose. And he rides off and then he shoots the noose out from him from far away. And the end. Uh, so, so yeah, it's just a, it's just a great movie. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 4.5. I still think I like for a few dollars more better, but I think watching them now back to back, or not necessarily back to back, but you know what I mean, uh, watching them both like a little more critically, I get why people like this one more. It's more engaging. The performances are a little um, more inviting, especially when you have Tuco in there. Uh, but I think I just like the more concise uh, story and, um, and for a few dollars more. And yeah, and it has like... This movie has like all the same pros that most of the other all the the other two movies in this trilogy do. Like the directing's great, the visuals are good, the music, of course, all of Morricone's score in this is amazing. The like the coyote thing and the wow 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 like all that and the using different instruments for each um, character but with the same music. Also, under there's like the part where Tuco is getting beat up by um what's his name. Mario Brega, who's the only other actor who uh, was in all three of these movies besides Clint Eastwood, I think. And uh, he's getting beat up by him while the like prisoners at the camp, the, the Confederate prisoners at the Union camp, are like singing this nice, pretty song. So you have all this like violent beating, nice song. And I wonder if this is where that trope has started. Or if it, I guess, is probably one of the earliest examples of like using like a calm, serene song while like brutal action happens because that you know that's like a that's a pretty well-worn trope by now just made me think like i just suddenly remembered one of my favorite uses of that is that like uh the gary jules cover of mad world for that gears of war trailer that was great um <laughs> uh I mean, yeah i guess i don't have any, any other like special observations for this one the whole dollars trilogy is just it's so good it's like everybody should watch it it's such a like special like achievement in filmmaking um yeah i guess uh all right that's all i got i still gotta watch um 
Once Upon a Time in the West to finish my Leone Western thing. But that'll be uh, the last movie this week. Uh, so yeah, all right. Uh, that's all I got. We'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It's Wednesday. I'm feeling weird today. Real weird mood. I feel like a lot happened today, even though, like, objectively not really. But, like, a lot of different things have a lot of different kinds of stress. And now I just feel like one weird ball of stress. And I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I feel like I'm even, like, my body is reacting to the stress. Like, my skin has felt itchy all day. Though, maybe that's because Dexter's been using this new fragrance thing in the laundry. And even though I don't use it, it's still in the system. And my sensitive skin is reacting to that. Or I'm very stressed out. Who knows? My body and mind are stupid. But yeah, so long day. We went to my comic book shop. And that was fine. But it was a heavy week. Like, fucking eight DC books ridiculous and then uh they had volume two of the criminal deluxe edition that i've been looking for so i went ahead and grabbed that which i'm happy about i'm glad i have that whole collection now and there's some fun books uh today today's batman and superman book that came out has a western theme on the cover so that's fun um then we went to trader joe's and i should have fucking known trader joe's is the first place that we go to where the workers weren't wearing masks like most of them were, the cashiers were, but there was a couple managers walking around without masks, and you know, that's uh, frustrating. Um, yeah. Then we came home, and I had to do a couple of, uh, I had to do calls. I had to call my fucking dental uh, insurance to get them to like change my main office to my old dentist that I have an appointment, that I have the appointment at tomorrow. Uh, but like the system, I fucking hate these systems where you call and like instead of punching stuff in on the keypad they want you to say it and they like want me to say my long ass member number that has numbers and letters in it and like it kept not being able to hear what i was saying and the call kept fucking up and so then i just had to do it like five times until i could get through to an operator and when i finally did she was very nice and she helped me out and that was great but it's just frustrating and um yeah so they got me thinking i'm like more thinking about that dentist thing tomorrow which i'm still freaking out about because i'm worried about bad news and i'm worried about having my mouth open around strangers again for the first time uh then i called i tried to call the burbank recruitment office to see if i can follow up on that interview and the woman i talked to very nice but uh she said there's basically nothing i could do (laughs) uh i just gotta wait for the recruitment office to go through all the applications and for them to decide who the top candidates are and just hope and pray I'm one of them because they like the recruitment office decides who's uh, eligible or who's a good candidate and then they give it to the library. So hopefully I'm in that first group. Hopefully there's not a bunch of like actual librarians who applied and they're not like the top five and I get edged out. We'll find out. But now I got to wait like two weeks for that. But thankfully my unemployment kind of got reinstated. So my appeal obviously didn't get to them yet for the new claim. But I got a message on my portal saying that instead of my new claim being reinstated, I have a federal extension of my old claim, uh, which is good that I'll be getting money, but annoying because my new claim, I was getting $50 more a week and I had eight grand of unemployment waiting for me. And this extension, it's only for 11 weeks back down to 342 a week and it's only like three grand. So I don't know. Maybe the appeal will change something. Who fucking knows? It's all fucking stupid. And then the last thing to stress me out is that a friend 
Chris uh, texted me asking if I wanted to hang out tomorrow, and I don't think I do. I feel bad. I feel like I know we need, I need to be like, to change my lifestyle, I need to do something, but I just don't think I'm going to enjoy it, and it's going to stress me out. We'll see. Maybe I'll feel better after the dentist thing. Maybe I won't. We'll see. So yeah, it's just all of this, these <laughs> stupid fucking stressors, just hate it. It all feels so silly, too. Which, speaking of silly, one nice thing, or fun thing, before I get to the movie, because already the the day portion, talking about my day portion is definitely going to go longer than me talking about my movie <laughs> today. Uh, but today on Instagram, I learned that Taco Bell was testing a plant-based version of that naked chicken chalupa. You know, the chalupa that's like a fried chicken thing shaped like a shell with like the toppings inside so there's a plant-based version and they're only doing it at one taco bell down in irvine 40 miles away only a few miles away from the taco bell that they were doing the fake ground beef at a few months ago or a month ago a couple months ago who knows what time is anymore um so yeah so i i waited till 8 p.m for traffic to die down and i drove almost an hour to go to this taco bell and i got it i got two of them and it's pretty good it's a, it's a solid, it's a solid item. I don't think, I, I'm pretty sure I've stopped eating meat before they started doing this whole chicken thing. So I don't think I ever had the original, but like, this was fine. It was maybe a little too tough because, you know, instead of like chicken and being able to pull apart or whatever, it's just kind of like a solid disc of like their plant-based chicken <laughs> matter, which tasted fine. Didn't really have any too distinctive of a flavor, but the fried part of it was uh, pretty nice. It was fried well, seasoned well, but uh, kind of tough to get down with uh, like the toughness and just how much fried stuff it is, and like because it's kind of small and you just want to eat it fast like a regular taco, or at least I do. Uh, so, you know, felt a little rough going down, but it's a solid item. It's good stuff. But yeah, okay, so today's movie actually kind of fits the uh, my weird vibe today. Uh, so since I watched a long-ass movie yesterday and I'm going to watch a long-ass movie tomorrow, I went to Letterboxd and I <laughs> arranged all the westerns in my list and put shortest movie first. And so I went with the first one, uh, The Hired Hand from 1971, directed and starring Peter Fonda with Warren Oates. That's our same duo from uh, Ride with the Devil uh, that, that I watched way earlier in the year. Uh, and this is a really weird western I guess it's an acid western, and I guess it lives up to that name. It definitely feels like a western made by hippies. Uh, there's a lot of very interesting, like, uh, cinema, like, choices when it comes to the uh, filmmaking. Like, when it comes to shots and editing, there's a lot of, like, weird overlays and fades and freeze frames and some slow-mo. It's an interesting movie. So, basically, Peter Fonda and Warren Oates are two friends who have been riding around the southwest going from job to job they have this kid with them he's like in his 20s or something late early 20s they're like their late 20s um the movie starts with them like hanging around and like fishing and while they're fishing the kid on the fishing line gets a small there's a blonde dead girl in the water and they just let her float on by she never comes back up in the movie it just starts the movie off on a weird dark note uh and then they go to this small town and the uh, kid that they're with and he's been talking about how he wants to see the world and he wants to see california so of course he gets killed uh by these thugs for no good reason and they like the town 
like it's all conspiring it's like the the head guy running the town like you can tell he did it because he wanted the kids horse and they're probably going to kill peter fonda war notes too but they get away and they get away with the kid's horse but before they get away they uh attack the guys who shot him while they're sleeping including this head guy he's this weird incel looking motherfucker with these round glasses and uh they sh- peter fonda shoots him in the feet like both feet and there's this horrible sequence where the guy is like writhing around on the ground um and then it and like yelling at his feet being <laughs> injured and then it the scene ends with a freeze frame on his just bloody feet very unpleasant <laughs> and uh the kid's death scene was also very unpleasant um and then so peter fonda he had decided he doesn't want to go to california he wants to go back to his wife that he left six years earlier he was only with her for like a year and a half but he now wants to go back to her and so him and war notes go and he agrees to just be there as a hired hand hence the title of the movie and she like doesn't want to tell their daughter that it's that that's her dad because she never knew her dad and this whole like weird tension so they she agrees to like let them help and so they're helping out on the farm and then the uh when they get to town to get supplies just peter fonda warnotes one of this drunk guy tells warnos like oh you're working for that old widow she like fucks all her hired help every single one of them it's like the benefit that's why everybody works there is because they know they're gonna get laid and it's this real weird <laughs> thing um warnotes decks the guy they go back and Peter Fonda gets like all mad and like, how dare you fuck people when I've been gone for six years? And it's very weird. And uh, she like gives this monologue, which like pretty uh, cool, I guess. I don't know. Or she's just like, yeah, what of it? I'm fucking people like you're gone. I need a man like fuck off, basically. Um, and then he just like relents. But then he still like goes into town and puts up a notice saying like he's back and she's not going to need any more hired help. So keep your dicks away uh and like while he's doing this war notes is still back on the farm and they're having like this conversation him and the the wife and it's like also like weirdly sexually charged where she like says like it doesn't matter to her which one of them she fucks that night and he's like caressing her foot it's a weird scene and then uh war notes decides he needs to leave so that not get in the way of their deal but then after he's gone for a while this guy comes back to peter fonda and like shows him a finger i was like hey this is your friend's finger you better come back to that shitty town from the beginning of the movie or we're gonna cut more fingers off because that guy is mad that you shot him in the foot twice or both feet once and um (laughs) so he goes back and uh his wife's all mad because she like thinks this is like his plan like they plan this so that he could escape his duties or whatever it's weird and she's like doesn't care that warno's got his finger cut off just kind of fucked up so he goes back to the town where we see that this guy's an asshole just uh, and then they have a shootout where peter fonda dies but warnotes lives and then warnotes takes the uh the horses back to the farm and that's it credits roll as he like arrives at the farm and puts the things back in the barn implying that he's gonna take over as the uh husband i'm guessing i don't know it's a strange one you gotta watch it to like really get like, I guess the story sounds pretty straightforward whenever I say it, but, like, you gotta see, like, some of these editing choices, like, these weird overlays that they decide to do for certain scenes, um, the freeze frames. It's interesting. It's definitely worth the watch, you know, and War Notes is good. I don't think I like Peter Fonda in this. He's just too skinny. <laughs> he's too skinny, and he's kind of a weirdo, so it's hard for me to, like, relate to a skinny weirdo, um, and, uh, 
yeah, I don't know. Good music, too. Really good music. A lot of nice, like, guitar, like, sad, somber guitar playing and some banjo and stuff. It's nice. Like, this would be a good record to have if they ever made a record of it. Um, yeah. 3.5 stars, I'll give it. Worth the watch, but nothing, like... Definitely not my favorite. I'm not sure if I'm going to revisit this anytime soon, unless I feel like I need to show some uh, someone a weird Western. This will be the first thing that comes to mind. And it's on Tubi. Easy to watch. Um, yeah, that's it for today. I guess I did end up talking about <laughs> the movie as much as I did my uh, shitty day. Not shitty day. Weird day. <sighs> what? Whatever. That's it. We'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, hey guys. Thursday, last day of the week. I went to the dentist. I was so nervous before it. I was like, my stomach was just in knots. I could barely eat. It was stupid. <laughs> I was like freaking out for no real good reason. When I got in there, it was fine. I mean, it's the first time I've took off my mask around uh, strangers in over a year. So felt weird. But like once they started doing, you know, all the dentist stuff, it felt comfortable. I just put on the mask whenever they weren't doing shit. Um... The kid who uh, was doing my x-rays was funny. He, like, looked at me and he was like, you listen to rock, right? And I was like, yeah, man, I listen to, I listen to metal, you know. And he, like, asked which bands. And, like, that always you know, like are, like, my favorite bands. And that question, like, always throws me for a loop. And I don't, for today, I went with, uh, you know, like, Swedish death metal. Like, you know, Bloodbath and opeth and catatonia even though the last two aren't really death metal but and he was like do you like gorgoroth and i was like oh yeah they're fine i guess i haven't listened to gorgoroth in ages i can't remember shit about them he's like what about mayhem and i was like uh no man fuck those guys because <laughs> i guess he had seen lords of chaos and that was funny he, he was nice he uh my weird part though was his hands like whenever he would put his hands in my mouth to put the, like x-ray stuff uh i could smell kfc <laughs> Uh, so I guess he had just had lunch, and, uh, I don't know, KFC, it's very, I'm pretty sure, I almost asked him, but I felt like that would be weird, uh, but KFC has a very distinctive smell, so I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, and then the, uh, so they did the x-rays, and then, like, the main, uh, the head dentist there, he, like, looked at my shit, and I tried to explain what was wrong, and I, he, like, couldn't see anything wrong with the tooth that I thought was the problem, or I thought I was gonna have, like, a fucking root canal, because it's hurt so bad over the past year, uh, but it's like, that one's totally fine. And then I did another x-ray, like, focusing on the area. And it's like, oh, the one next to it has a minor cavity. So that's been the cause of all my problems. Just a small cavity. I apparently have three small cavities. Which is about what I had uh, the last time I went to the dentist in February of last year. Where I put off getting the fillings and I lost my insurance and all that shit. Uh, so yeah, pretty good, I think. That I... <laughs> uh, my teeth didn't get extremely worse over the past year so i'm happy about that gonna get my fillings in uh in early august when i do my cleaning that's when i have that scheduled so i just got to keep up the care so they don't get worse between before then uh but yeah went uh went better than i thought which i was happy about i came home and i celebrated with some fago of course because that's what your teeth need all right and then uh today's movie the last of our sergio leone week um i watched uh once Upon a Time in the West from 1960, what is it, 8? And, uh, this one's fine. This is, it just isn't my, it's not my speed. <laughs> like, um, it's 2 hours and 45 minutes long. And it's not like the good, the bad, and the ugly long, where 
in that movie a lot happens like there's some kind of like old-timey slow pacing in it but like shit happens and uh there's a lot of like you know, fast-talking characters and stuff. This movie just moves like a fucking glacier. Everything is so slow and quiet, and the characters barely talk. Like, and the plot itself is, like, fairly simple, but I don't think there's a movie where that, like, goes for so long and so little happens, but is still, at the same time, still kind of hard to follow. Like, I just didn't, because there'd be, like, one or two lines, and then, like, I don't know. I just wasn't able to, like, tell, like, until three quarters into the movie, like, oh, all right, this is a land thing, and he wants to kill that guy for something in the past, but then she, I'm like, I don't know. So basically, story, a woman is marrying this guy, and this guy has, like, a plan for his, like, he bought this land that nobody likes because he knew that in the future the railway was going to go through there and that the water water on his land would be important, so he was going to make it town. We don't find this out until two hours in. And so, because of that, uh, this railroad baron, uh, who's this uh, crippled guy, and they don't really explain how he's crippled, but like he just can't walk and he has like, a neck brace. And he can like walk on crutches and stuff. And in his railway car, he has these cool like rails on the top of the, that roof that he uses to help get around. Anyways, he hires a team to assassinate or to like scare this family, but they end up just killing the whole family. They don't give a fuck. And the, main, and the leader of this gang, Frank, is played by Henry Fonda. And I guess Henry Fonda was always a good guy. And so for like mod, those audiences at the time, it would have been a shock to see a child get shot down and then pan up and the gun is being held by Henry Fonda. Completely lost on me because I don't know if I've seen any other movie with him. He did, he did good in this movie though. Um, so yeah, so this is all happening. At the same time, Charles Bronson is showing up in town. I still don't know why he showed up in the town, but whenever he did, Frank's men were there to kill him. And that's the first opening scene, which is like, 10 minutes with barely any dialogue and no music of three gunmen just waiting at this rail station for Charles Bronson to show up. And there's some cool stuff in this. Uh, Woody Strode is one of the three gunmen. Um, and he has a cool part where his character is like standing under a, a water tower and water's dripping on his head. And so he puts his hat on and lets the water drip on his head and then he drinks from the hat. So, kind of it's a cool move there's also in the scene that like working at the little train station there's a native american woman and apparently this was played by woody strode's wife who was a hawaiian princess uh which is pretty cool um so they're waiting there and then charles bronson shows up and he's like i guess our main protagonist if there is, is one and he's like this very silent uh man who's very good with a gun and he always is playing a harmonica which is cool any concept, but I think I would have liked this better if I just liked what he was playing on the harmonica more. Like the, the, um, I don't know, the tune wasn't that good. It was like kind of annoying to me. And then I think it's also annoying because like most spaghetti westerns, you know, they film this silently and they put the sound in after. So it doesn't like even look like his mouth is playing what the sound is to me. And so that bothered me. And, uh, but Charles Bronson's cool in this. He looks cool. I understand why uh, Leone tried to cast him all those times for the Dollars trilogy. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, some stuff happens. There's this other guy, Cheyenne. He's actually, I like the actor who played him. And they like help out the woman against Frank to like this road baron. And then it ends with Harmonica getting his revenge against Frank because we learn that Frank 
way in the past killed Harmonica's brother in a real fucked up way. They had his brother like on a noose and made Harmonica stand under him. And like he was standing on his brother was standing on his shoulders and Henry Fonda uh, put a harmonica in his mouth like as a joke, like play some music for your brother while while he's standing there. And then young Charles Bronson falls over and his brother dies from hanging. And so this has been he's been trying to get this revenge for his whole life. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's not much else I want to say about it. Like I said, the pace just wasn't for me. The vibe just felt off. Um, but like I, I recognize it for what it is like there's some gold here and i get why people would love this uh but not for me so 3.5 stars yeah all right i guess i don't have uh anything else to say about this week or this week's movies it's nice watching the dollars trilogy again and uh yeah this wraps up this week of high june we got one more week or like six more days uh so yeah i've been burn olivier at birds are on everything if you have questions comments recommendations any of that uh yeah and with that it's time i disappear uh into a cemetery to look for gold okay bye (laughs) 